0: What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF, when I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF, the fast house, and of course, the Collective Experience with Dave Drakes. Head on over to CollectiveExperienceXP.com to find out more about The Collective Experience. I am your host, Brad Gebhart. With us on the line, no big deal, the 2012 Canadian Women's National Champion, Kate McCarroll. Kate, how's it going?
1: Hi, it's going really well. How are you doing?
0: How's it going? I'm I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day here in Manitoba. I hope that I got your last name correct. Uh, if if I didn't, uh, please correct me.
1: No, you got it, McCarroll. Perfect.
0: McCarroll. Perfect. We're we're off to a flying start. Uh, before we get to the uh, the accolades and all of the trophies and uh, and, and talking about that championship season. Um, well, let's get into the, the kind of the the, the root of, of why uh, we're on the phone in the first place. Uh, chatting with Allison over at Huskvarna Canada. She, I, I kind of, I've, I've been wanting to get more women on the podcast, women that are, are positive role models and women who can that can speak to the passion that that I have for motocross. And uh, the first name that came out of Allison's uh, mouth was Kate McCarroll. Needs to be on your podcast. Why is that?
1: Well, firstly, thank you for having me. And thank you, Allison, for the great recommendation. Um, I've been working with Husqvarna Canada for just a year now, and it's been amazing. It's been so great. They've given me a lot of opportunities to ride and uh, lend me some bikes this summer to do a few of my first enduro races. So it's been great. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why. I mean, I guess she she recommended me just because we've had such a great year this summer um, just helping other women and really trying to be a role model for the sport and trying to just encourage girls to, if they're not already in it, to start. If you're riding street, try riding dirt, vice versa. Um, if you're thinking about hanging up your boots, keep them on and stuff like that. I just... Um, A lot of women are getting into the sport more now, and it's so great to see, and I'm just, uh, I really want to be a part of that, so I think that's why.
0: Absolutely, and of of course, uh, just by speaking with you for a short bit before we hit record on this, very well spoken, which is... uh, um, is a positive thing for me, honestly. I've had some some interviews that just seem to flow and they roll like like uh, some perfect single track out there in the woods. And then there's certain times when I have uh, certain guys that happen to run the number eight hundred, which are a little bit more difficult to uh, to, to carry a <laughs> conversation with. No offense, Mike. It it, it sometimes it's difficult, but. Kate, you are uh, an absolute success story on and off the the motorcycle. You're an educated woman. Thank you. Thank you. You are uh, you're a champion in this sport, and you've represented uh, Canada at the Loretta Lynn's uh, Amateur Nationals. We'll get that that we'll get to that in just a bit. But um, everyone can relate to the story that we're going to talk to uh, talk about right now. I myself also started on a little yellow Suzuki. It was a DS-80, not a JR8, uh, JR-50, uh, but it was also on a baseball diamond, uh, believe it or not. So we've got that in common. Nice. Tell me a little bit about uh, a five-year-old uh, Catherine McCarroll uh, finally uh, throwing a leg over, uh, over a dirt bike uh, and a bicycle on the same day.
1: Well, I honestly owe it all to my dad. It was his vision to kind of, actually, before I was even born, I guess he kind of planned right. out yeah. how his child would be. You know, he ha- he's a big planner. He kind of thinks about how he wants to go down. Okay. And I guess in his mind, he pictured he would have a son and his son would ride dirt bikes because my dad did ride. Uh, he grew up in Northern Ontario. He didn't really race or anything, but him and his friends messed around on a lot of bikes and stuff. Um, he bought a motorcycle with his first paycheck from his first job. So it, it started even before me. Um, and I always tell this story. I always say my dad wished he had a son and he gets all upset and he says, well, it's, it's most men's dream to have a little boy. He says, and I'm like, okay, I I understand for sure. But when he had a girl, he's like, okay, well, I've already done all this planning. We can't change the plan now. My, my little girl is still going to be a ripper. So he, taught me how to ride a bicycle. It was purple. And on that same day, he said, okay, now that you got the balance down, I'm going to take the purple training wheels from your bicycle and put them on a jr 50. And I was so stoked. Um, even before that I was riding like on the front of my dad's bike and just was like around motorcycles. So, um, I don't have much memory of the exact day. Obviously it was a long time ago, but I do remember that after that moment of, starting to ride the jr it pretty much never stopped like we were going every weekend after that um and then eventually not long after i learned to ride the training wheels were actually hindering me quite a bit every time i would get in a rut the back tire would just continue to spin and i wouldn't go anywhere so i think he got a bit frustrated by pushing me and he's like okay we're taking these training wheels off and and that was it i was i was gone
0: well there you go uh gravitating (laughs) to it uh, a bicycle and a, a motocross bike in the same day. Uh, safe to say that your dad was uh, was not a patient planner, uh, to say the <laughs> least, no. but uh, a guy with a plan is a good thing, and uh, yeah, it was, it was like a slight alteration to uh, to the color scheme on the bicycle from uh, what he probably was assuming his son would have like a, a red bicycle or maybe a blue bicycle, but uh, a purple bicycle straight on to a bright yellow JR 50, uh, a bike just smaller than the one that I started on at the age of 9 of course I'm 29 years old now so it was only 20 years ago got on a bike for the very first time and that story of riding a motorcycle for the first time is something that anyone who's listening to this that rides can connect with whether they started in their mid 20s uh, mid-teens, or at the same age you did at a very young age. Um, it's it's amazing how that story, that day is just imprinted into your memory. You remember everything about it. You remember the smells. You remember how you felt. And uh, and once you came back from that first ride, you remember exactly the exhilaration and the never want to not do that ever again. So uh, that that's something that just, it, like, regardless of, if it's Ricky Carmichael or Kate McCarroll, um, it's, it's, it's a story that's just completely blanketed through anybody who's had the pleasure of, uh, getting that throttle therapy that we love so much. And, uh, and shortly thereafter, um, you, you getting on the bike, uh, you, you immediately kind of threw yourself into, uh, into a nine year racing career that, uh, which ended up with you, uh, uh, your first race at the Walton Transcan, no big deal, kind of a, uh, it's not, every, not everyone gets to race their first race, at the Walton Transcan.
1: Yeah, that was actually a complete mistake. So back then, for all those listening, it's hard to imagine a time without the Internet. But that was my first race. Basically, we had only heard about Walton Transcan because it was the only one publicized. Um, We didn't have the Internet to go and check out different clubs or, you know, where we should start. We just saw flyers or I'm not even sure. I think my dad found out about it because some of his friends' sons were racing or whatever it was. And we thought, you know what, we should, we should try race. Well, between the ages five, when I first started and nine, we just rode a lot of trails. I grew up riding in the Ganaraska forest here in Ontario. Um, and he rode an ATV and I rode a dirt bike and I got up to, I was actually on a KTM 65 for my first race and we got there and for those of you who race, you know how expensive it is to buy a membership, gate fees, entry fees, especially for a race like Walton Transcan because it's a week long, so it's a lot more expensive. So we get there, and they're like, okay, $125 for a yearly membership. Okay, $100 for gate fees or whatever it was. So and the race entry the last race of and- the year. Yeah, exactly. So my dad's looking at me saying, I wonder if it's going to be this expensive every time. And we had no idea. And luckily, um, for that specific one, because normally you do have to qualify to get to the national. Right. Uh, but the ladies class, I think had 38 entries. So there was a little bit of extra space. So it's 42 for a full gate. Um, and I was the youngest one, and I was lined up against some pretty iconic riders. Jolene Van Voot was there that year. For those of you who might know her, she's yes. in the Nitro Circus crew now. Um, Sarah Price and a couple other really fast girls who ended up going on to race the WMX in uh, the U.S. So it was pretty intimidating for me. And I think I literally got out of 38, like 35th. And it was because a few people DNF'd. Like, I was pretty pretty darn close to the end and i i ha- ended up having to change my numbers and everything it was just a big mess but the cool thing about that is nine years later at that same race i won the walton transcan national so it's pretty special to see that progression from 35th to first over nine years
0: no kidding. Uh, knocking down those positions year after year, and uh, 2012 uh, ladies' class Canadian national champion, um, and and winning at at, uh, at Walton. Um, that to, to me is just kind of like the pinnacle of as far as women's racing in Canada goes, and uh, goes into the history books as someone who's uh, just t- totally lived it, loved it, and uh, on top of that, also representing canada and i almost kind of feel like it's almost like the it's almost more prestigious to go to uh, loretta lynn's and race uh uh, all the americans as a canadian and represent team canada if you will uh at the loretta lynn's you've also done that and placed top 10 i might add
1: yeah loretta lynn's is pretty serious it's it's pretty amazing place as well like even when you um, qualify, so the, it's a pretty extensive qualification process. You have to go to areas and then regionals. So I think they take the first, the top seven areas and then even less than that at regionals. I can't exactly remember. It's been a while now. But when you first arrive at Riders Meeting, they say, Congratulations, you guys are in the top 42 in your class in like all of North America, basically. So just getting there is a big accomplishment. And I felt really proud to have um, made it. And something that we always tried to do is we tried to qualify in the Southwest District, which was always the fastest kids because we always had um, people from Florida and Georgia and people who got to ride all year round. So at the areas and the regionals, we got a little bit of a taste for who would be in the top 10 at Loretta's. So I got to kind of see how hard I would have to work or gauge myself at um the qualifiers and that that seemed to work I just do remember the second year I think it was we were coming down from Canada and the the qualifiers are really early in the spring so it's still during the off season normally for Canadians and we went down to do a bit of riding I think on like my March break or something and we were at the regionals and I was barely making it and my dad looked at me and he's like okay you gotta you gotta pull this together because it's a three motor format as well at the regionals. And I just squeaked by and I remember just being wide open at those regionals, just knowing that we were all the way in North Carolina and I was not going to leave without an entrance to Loretta's. And it turns out that most of the women I was racing against at that qualifier ended up in the top 10 at Loretta's. So it was, it was pretty cool to put myself in that group right from the beginning. So I knew exactly what the pace would be, which was super helpful. Um, and then my best my best moto finish at Loretta's was a sixth, but I only ever managed to get a uh, 12th overall. Cause it's also a three moto format at right. Loretta's. And it, it's really hard for a lot of racers to put those three together. There's just so many factors like stress, you know, heat, like stuff like that. And I, I would always go to top 10. So I think I had like a sixth and an eighth one year. And then I had a 32nd because I fell and my tire got like stuck in someone's back wheel. And it, it was just a mess. But 12th overall, I was still pretty happy with. And, and that one sixth where they put you under the tent and everyone who gets in the top 10, they have to like check over your bikes. And there's a bit of a period before they release you from the compound. It's like pretty awesome to be lined up against some of the best of the best. So it was like an honor.
0: Absolutely. It's almost like, yeah, it's a badge of honor to have to uh like yeah, someone had to check over my bike cuz they thought I might have been cheating I was so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of cool. And, and and honestly, to represent Canada and do so well, that is a huge feather in your cap. Um and uh but shor- shortly after um a, uh, it's a very successful career, um you uh you you decide to uh to to go to school and uh and and get an education, get a job. Um, what, what was the 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 main driving force as to basically put down motocross for uh, about a four year period and uh, focus on your studies?
1: That was definitely one of the hardest decisions I've had to make in my life. I found myself at a crossroads. So throughout those few years where I was racing Loretta's and trying to contend for a world championship, and also doing the women's pro nationals in Canada, I was. Like riding was literally my life. I was homeschooled for a few months and went down to the States. I always spent weekends racing. I never was able to really socialize with um, kids in my high school. I was, you know, I had friends. I'm lucky I have friends from all over the world, but I never had friends really from my hometown because I was always just like racing and doing that. So um, part of me was a bit conflicted because I thought, you know, all my friends are going away to university. I really love this experience. You know, that was part of it. Um, part of it was I've already accomplished a lot of my biggest goals and is it worth putting my body at further risk of injury and stuff like that for maybe a a few more years of racing? It was, you know, my parents, they are already invested a lot of money in my racing career, which thank you so much to them. Like my dad is still, I think, paying some bills from my racing career. (laughs) Um, so it was that, you know, I, I knew eventually I'd have to start doing it on my own if I wanted to make a real, real go of it. And also with women's motocross, women's sports in general, the payout for the risk is not that great. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make a living at it. Unfortunately, I wish, I wish it was the case that women had that, um, ability, but I, I Hey, I need to go to school. I need to get a degree and motocross is going to be there. Riding's going to be there. And maybe I'll be able to approach it from a different angle when I'm finished. And I knew I actually took uh, business in school because I knew that I kind of wanted to get into something with motorcycles when I was finished, like, uh, being a rep or, you know, something like Allison's job, marketing manager for Hispanic Canada, something like that, where I could give back and I could sponsor kids that were in my same position, so that's what kind of, um, encouraged me to go in that direction. And I'm really, really happy that I did because now I'm finished. I got a job, finally got some money coming through and I'm back riding. So everything really lined up perfectly.
0: For sure. So w- where did you land a job? Like, uh, it almost seems like you're like, all right, there's no, I, I can't get the support. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, get a job where I can give the support to the girls that, uh, so, so, uh, uh, so much deserve it. Um, but, uh, what, what position did you lock down?
1: Well, I mean, I'm, my sights are still on working in the motorcycle industry eventually. I'm not quite there yet, but yeah. I ended up getting a job at Vice Media. So I got an internship during my last year of school, and I was hired directly from my internship, which is amazing. Cool. And they give me a lot of flexibility with taking off time for weekends to go riding and stuff like that, so that's great. And also, being in media, I've been able to... Be around a lot of great journalists and get some help with that. So I've been starting to try and do a little bit of uh, motorcycle writing on the side. So I've done a few reviews. I did one for Canada Moto Guide um, last fall for the release of one of their new 250s. I've just I just finished an article for Fast Times Magazine about my trip to the Southwest with Rome Holoftis. In the spring so just doing a little bit of writing and um, it's helping to fund some of my trips and ambitions so starting with that and then yeah always online looking for jobs uh, in the motorcycle industry so if anyone has any leads let me know
0: absolutely maybe there's a a company listening to this right now they're looking for a marketing (laughs) exec and uh, need to plug you in there hey big mx listeners thanks for listening to this episode of the big mx radio podcast throw it to commercial break right now with some messages from FMF and the Fast House. We'll be right back after these. Since 1973, FMF has been about getting more out of riding motorcycles, more power, more wins, more fun. For 39 years, we've been rolling up our sleeves, building our factory, engineering and manufacturing the world's finest performance exhausts. Innovation in American craftsmanship makes FMF today's leader in performance. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. I can just let go, put our middle fingers off of the smile, and let it roll.
1: not just go out
0: there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 8.05. I got into this can and I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer's even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there throw down. I do it my way, and that's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her, and i am got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. I don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point and kind of realize, let's just have fun. That's what my old man did and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. Ninety percent of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted. Just ice cold beer, just nothing
1: sounds better than that. This Fast House crew is gonna break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some
0: getting off of, of racing at that level uh and, and kind of stepping off that merry-go-round is uh is no easy task uh it becomes uh, your identity, and and then you obviously have to change to to like to be a, a dedicated student. Um, what is it that you learned from being at school that uh, kind of puts into perspective the the struggle and the uh, the dedication that that an athlete has to have to the sport of motocross to race it at its highest level? Because you, as well as I know, if you're not sharp for the most part, you shouldn't even really be out there um, as far as uh, like competitively racing. Um, Did did that, that experience kind of like kind of change things for you or give you a different perspective?
1: Of course. I honestly owe riding and racing to so much of who I am today. And so many of my values, like racing really teaches you that you can do anything and don't give up. Like so many core values that I have now that i use in studying and just in my life in general like don't take no for an answer keep trying what the work that you put in is what you're going to get out like you're able to actually see that and with motocross or any sport i think it's so important for kids to be involved with that because you're able to see your hard work pay off and you know a lot of parents or um elders can try and tell younger people, like, you know, you, you work hard and it'll pay off. Like, yeah, yeah. That's hearing that is one thing, but seeing it really does prove that to you. And, and I was able to see that the harder I worked in racing and the harder I trained, the better my results were. So it's the same thing with school. The harder I studied, the better my marks were, the harder I worked to get a job, you know, I'm going to get it. And, um, it's truly uh, a lot of lessons that I can use for the rest of my life. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that.
0: The the work always comes before the belief and the work that you put in on the motocross track, whether it be standing up for laps that you didn't need to be standing up the whole time or putting in the time doing the corners, that uh, it's not as fun to ju- do corners as it is to just jump the jumps, That those are the lessons that you learned that allow you to apply yourself, whether it be uh, your your media classes or in, any of your, your first-year courses that you would have been through in uh, like your intro to site courses, probably dull as uh, as a butter knife, but uh, you, you ended up getting through it and came out on the other end, a very successful young woman and that's where you currently are, and I think that's why um, I think that's why Husqvarna wanted to embrace you in the first place. Not only do you have a passion and a skill on two wheels, but also just that that hard work and that essence of, of someone who uh, is willing to uh, to lay it all on the line, enjoy the two in, enjoy two wheels to the fullest, and uh, and just be that role model that young women can look up to.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And the fact that Husqvarna sees that in me and in the other ambassadors is honestly so amazing. Like, I've dealt with a few brands, especially in my racing days, where you're only as good as your last result. And that's another reason why I took the route that I did and I went to school instead of pursuing racing for longer is because you often feel, um, I guess, like, unappreciated or all the hard work you're putting in like isn't paying off and you know you're busting your butt out there and you're staying positive and other people are succeeding and you're not and you know it just it does kind of wear you down a little bit because people have such high expectations of you in certain sense like with sponsors and stuff like that so with brands like Husqvarna really noticing not just race results, but positivity and personality and hard work and mentorship. Like that is so amazing. And I think it's a really big step forward and I'm hoping that what they're doing can inspire other brands as well to notice not just race results, but other characteristics.
0: Absolutely. And 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 to that, I, I kind of, uh, um, I ask you this: How would you like to be be viewed by other uh, like up and coming young women? I, what, are, what are some of the uh, uh, the messages that you'd like to portray to them? Because uh, and, and how would you hope that they uh, kind of take your message?
1: Well, in summary, keep shredding. That's what I really always tell young women that I see are young ladies and girls. Um, I think that. It's becoming more difficult for young women to see their role models or to see themselves in like pro riders or relatable women that they say, hey, when I grow up, I want to be like that girl because we don't have as much of a stage. And this leads me into another conversation, which we can touch on later, but um, MX Sports just took away the WMX series and, you know, it's it's tough for young girls to see something to work towards. And I think that's my goal is to, to be that girl that young women look up to, to say, hey, you know what? If I keep going and I keep working hard, like, I'll get big sponsors too or I'll get to write articles or I'll get, you know, exposure or whatever it is. And it's just from continuing to stay positive and continuing to put time into writing. And I hope they'll see that that will pay off.
0: Absolutely, and in in a in an era and a day where uh, women's motocross uh, uh, it, in North America wise kind of takes a bit of a step back, and we talked a little bit about that uh, before we hit record on this. Uh, that uh, MX Sports is basically uh, restricting the the women's. Uh, championship in the series the the wmx is no longer going to be a standalone series it will run in conjunction with amateur racing um that's a bit of a blow and, and i think maybe uh now as much as ever um people like yourself are needed in the, within the women's motocross community to uh kind of be a bit of a guiding force to to show young women where the future is where and and how how they can uh, how they can handle themselves and 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 just uh give that value that uh like next year uh it was already hard enough to uh to to get sponsors when the their wmx series is not running in conjunction with the the men's series uh when it's sort of pushed aside but now that it's even more swept under the rug makes it even that much more difficult um like uh like how how do you kind of like shoulder the burden of uh of the responsibility of basically being that role model to show these young ladies that uh um that you can you can be a positive uh uh racer you can you can love your sport you it it, and you Shouldn't feel out of place whatsoever at a motocross track, and uh, and and first and foremost, uh, like there's there's more ways to uh, to get attention from sponsors than uh, than maybe uh, shedding some clothes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the shedding some clothes thing is an interesting topic, and I I never want to like look down on people who use that as a tool to get sponsorship or whatever, because social media is an amazing tool to get yourself out there. Um, but I think the reason why, um, certain women might need to resort to, um, showing other aspects other than riding, it's hard to talk about this without saying,
0: yeah it's, <laughs> but
1: I guess, um, it, is, what it is. Is, is because brands are not giving money to racers and they're not like supporting women's riding. And it's because it, it it all stems back from us, like not having a stage to perform on like this MX sports thing. So it's like a domino effect, right? MX sports takes away the pro series. Then brands no longer want to support women's racing. Cause they feel like they're not getting a return on their investment. And therefore the only way that women can get sponsorship money is by posing in a bikini beside their bikes. So it's like, that's not really necessarily their fault. It all stems back from um, us not having a stage to perform on, us not having something to motivate us to train harder, us not having um, an exposure to give those sponsors what they need in order to give us money. You understand Like, so then we have to, pull out all the stops and pose in a bikini and that's how we're going to get money and that's how we're going to get exposure and it's just really unfortunate because it's not the same thing for men's racing and they are able to go out there on the national stage and battle it out and that's how they're getting their payout and men are able to um, race for say a million dollars in the monster energy cup which is amazing race and women aren't able to get that Sort of opportunity. So I do understand when people are driven to um, use their body or bikini or social media or certain looks in order to get payout because like it's tough out there. But what I would want to tell young women growing up is you don't have to do that. Like you can keep shredding and you can stay positive. And eventually, brands like Husqvarna are going to notice that, and they're going to give you the support that you need. And hopefully. Husqvarna is going to really start a new trend with this and they're going to say to other brands like, Hey, we're finding great people to be ambassadors and stewards of the sport just by having a positive attitude, just by being, um, role models for others and stuff like that. So I think to girls, like don't resort to using an image to get sponsorship money, like keep shredding, people are going to notice, keep working hard, keep training, it's all going to pay off, and it might not be this year, but like for me, it came well after my recent career, and it's it's still awesome to have it now, better late than ever.
0: Absolutely, and and yeah, especially if that's not true to your core values, if obviously you don't feel comfortable... Posting those photos, by all means, don't post them because it, at the end of the day, sponsorship is about adding value. And adding value, it can be doing so many other things than just uh, posting pictures, hitting the hashtags, or liking a bunch of things. It's all about uh, how you convey that that uh, that company's message, how well you know their catalog, how how well you know that 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 company's mission statement. Uh, something that a lot of people don't think of when they're they they go to. Uh, um, represent a company is like oh well i have all these followers or i have all these likes uh you should follow you should uh you should support my my cause but like a lot of uh companies like husqvarna they're like all right well um, do you know what we're all about? Do you know what, what's important to Husqvarna? And I feel like if you're able to, to lock in on those types of things, uh, whether you're male or female, uh, you'll have a, a whole lot more success in just being able to, uh, to work with these businesses because that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a business. They're supporting you because they're looking to hopefully get something in return for your support and their support of you. And, uh, adding value is something that you do very well. I think you're very well spoken and I think that, uh, through the ambassador program, um, and you yourself, as well as the the other uh, ambassadors, are just doing an amazing job to just sort of um, to provide that value, unlike any other manufacturer, specifically in Canada, if not worldwide.
1: Yeah, I think definitely could be considered worldwide.
0: For sure, like it's it's something that I think a lot of companies are going to start to look at and and, and see that there's there's some real um, just some positivity coming from it, and, and there's people who can can connect with it. And I feel like uh, yourself uh, branching out to to not only uh, ride your your motorcycle to work, which is super cool, but also uh, to just just strip the uh, the street legal side of things off of it, head out onto the trails, even win some of these off road races, which I'm sure was way outside your comfort zone, uh, and all, all something that uh, Husbarna has helped you do in 2018 it's kind of a cool story how it's all come together
1: yeah exactly yeah and I'm so lucky that the bikes that they offer are so versatile that I can ride to work because I don't have a car right now still working on that I can ride to work Fair enough. and then on on Friday night change the wheels from my uh, street wheels to my dirt wheels and and head to a race so it's pretty awesome that I can have one bike that does it all
0: that you can, and uh, in Husqvarna they all, they have got you know, a ton of different bikes uh and uh and for different applications i myself have in my eye on a tc 250 of course after uh straight, nice. s- straight rhythm this weekend i'm i'm uh i'm mixing gas hauling ass full time uh and and looking to do so on a, a 2019 husky um but you went with a 450 a bike that most women uh, kind of shy away from what uh uh what was the main reason why going with uh, the the fe 450 from husqvarna 2018 uh, edition
1: Honestly, this has been a, a big struggle for longer than, than a year now of me trying to figure out what the best model would be for me. And I've tried a bunch of different ones and they're all great for all different reasons. Um, I actually, when I used to race motocross race a two stroke, so that's, that's actually where my heart lies. I rode a KTM 150. 50, yes. um, for most of my career. And I liked how it was so light. I liked how it was a little bit more challenging to ride in the sense that you really had to be locked in with like the right gear it would always start no matter what some of the other girls um this is before electric start as well i sound old um Mm. some of the girls wouldn't be able to start their four strokes it was muddy my trusty two-stroke would always start i i just loved it um i never saw myself switching away but just with my my uh personal situation right now like with a two-stroke or like a dirt only bike which i would love to have you need a lot of other things you need a truck um i'm lucky i do have a little garage right now for some parking and stuff but i I do live in the city so it's a little bit hard to find like parking and all all the other stuff that i would need to come along with say like a um the new fuel injected 250 or the one the 150 Um, so I had to find something that would be able to do literally everything. And that's, that's the 450. it's fast enough that I can ride it on the road. If I do need to do a longer trip, it's totally possible. Um, it has all the capabilities of a dual sport and then it's still really light. Like it's, it's really amazing. Um, these new bikes, these 2019 models, people say like, Oh, the 500, such a big bike. And like, yeah, it is, but it's so light and it's, so easy to handle that it's really like not that big a deal for me um in the woods even though i am like 125 pounds soaking Soaping wet, wet it's, yeah. i can still i can still wet, whip that thing around um no problem so yeah i think me choosing the fe 450 really just came down to versatility and something that i would be able to take like i think next year i'm planning to do a few camping trips with some of my friends who have uh, larger dual sports so it's able to do that and then i can still uh Go through a super tight single track and not have a problem, so it's great. But also this summer, I was able to ride the FX 350, which is honestly such an amazing bike. It, it's I've said it before in another interview, which sounds kind of corny, but it's like the the motorcycle version of me. It's like <laughs> motocross and now enduro, but yeah. it has both capabilities. So it it rides as if it's like a full on MX bike and like just has so much power but it's also like meant for enduro. So I was able to ride that a few of the races I did this summer and it was such an honor. I have so much fun on that bike.
0: That's awesome. It's like the three bears bike. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right. And, uh, and fits it's you. like glove. Right, exactly. Uh, I yeah, understand.
1: I, the, I honestly love it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, on top of that, I understand you also uh, spent some time in California recently uh, twisting the throttle, getting that throttle therapy. I I'm jealous. Uh, any plans to, uh, to to twist the throttle stateside in 2019?
1: Well, when I was in California this past week, I met up with some pretty cool riders and they asked me, hey, are you doing the L.A. Barstow to Vegas dual sport ride? And I said, what's that? And I guess it's a pretty famous, actually iconic trail ride or dual sport ride that they have um, in the LA area, which is like goes into the desert and to Vegas, which is 400 miles over two days. And I think it's gonna be next fall. So I'm not 100% sure how I'm gonna do it, but it's on my list of um, goals for sure for 2019. I just really wanna say that I completed that ride. And earlier this spring, I went down to the Southwest and I did some riding in Utah, um, Nevada, California as well. So I got to get a little bit of a sense for the terrain, and I love how it's, like, super dry. Um, Although it's, like, loose in some areas of sand, obviously, most of the rocks and everything are pretty – you have a lot of traction. So I I really want to do that ride in the States next year. So we'll see if it comes together.
0: There you go. We'll put that on the calendar. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm really – um, I can't wait to see how the rest of your story unfolds. It's been a fantastic one to date, and uh, we'll definitely have to catch up again throughout 2019. This is the uh, the second time we've had a Varna, uh brand ambassador on the show, and I want to say that it's probably the second time we're we'll have we'll have crazy amounts of downloads of people who are going to get a ton of value out of this. Um, Kate, uh, this isn't something that uh, that I uh, put on uh, the spot with Des whatsoever because she probably would have killed me, but. Uh, I'm going to leave it up to you. Who should be my next um, Husqvarna brand ambassador? I'll let you make that selection. uh, Put you right on the spot on on live air right now. Who should I pick for the next one?
1: Um, my friend from Toronto, Sam Radix. Okay. Her and her husband ride. uh, They run the Moto Social. I'm not sure if you do dirt only or off road only, but they are street. Yeah, they are street riders, and they have a lot of great stories. They've been traveling a lot this summer, so I'd be interested to see um, if she could explain some of her adventures to you.
0: Okay. Well, let me flip the script a little bit, uh, change things up, and get those guys on. Looking forward to talking to Sam. Um, But uh, I've really enjoyed chatting with you, Kate. Uh, This has been awesome. I feel like uh, you've got the right attitude. You've got the right... uh, um, just how you carry yourself, and uh, I couldn't be more proud to bring you onto the podcast to chat a little bit about uh, not only your work with Husqvarna, but also just uh, the way that you've uh, conducted yourself as a, uh, a top-flight um, pro racer in, in Canada, Canadian national champion 2012, no big deal, uh, and, and also uh, thanks for representing Canada at uh, one of the, the biggest uh races of the year uh at the uh, Loretta Lynn's uh, Amateur National Championships because uh like the the list of people from Canada that have attended that race is far too short
1: thank you yeah i really appreciate that
0: And in in mentioning the Loretta Lynn's Amateur National Championships, that's basically where uh, women's motocross uh, will find a home for 2019. I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but maybe you can elaborate on it. Uh, Your thoughts on the press release from today, uh, women's motocross in a lot of ways, kind of sort of taking a backseat more and more as the years go on. And uh, yet again, making it a little bit more difficult for young women and young racers to get that support they need because those big, Highlight real races uh, are, are sort of being taken away. Um, what are your thoughts on all this?
1: Yeah, I'm actually really glad that you brought this up because in my last year of racing uh, in 2012, even in Canada, there was there was a discussion about the uh, women's pro nationals being. M- replaced basically on the pro day by freestyle motocross because we were considered like a halftime show. And this was six years ago. So it's really sad to hear that the same thing is happening in 2018 when other sports organizations like the world surf league and mountain biking are bringing equal pay to women's and men's um, competitors. So it's really sad to see that that stage is being taken away and it's just going to be like a domino effect that will eventually totally take away all women's motocross in my opinion because when young women don't have someone to look up to or they don't have someone on that pro stage who they can relate to um they're not going to be motivated to continue and they're not going to be able to get that exposure to get those sponsors and get that money that they need to complete the series loretta lynn's really is going to be the end of the line for their careers and for the men Loretta Lynn's is just the beginning. Like It's just the farm team where sponsors look and they dip into the amateur pool and they pull out who the future pros are going to be. So it's sad that when the, men's, when the male's careers are just starting off, it's the end of the female's careers. So that, that really is sad. And I hope that they really reconsider the decision. And I hope that everyone can get online right now and send an email to MX Sports and just let them know that they're going to be taking away the dreams of a lot of young female riders. And in 2018, I think regression is the last thing that we need in the sport
0: absolutely and it's uh, it was a blow when i when i came across my news feed and uh wasn't wasn't uh, happy to see that whatsoever um it, it, it's a huge blow and i don't think it's it's completely fully thought out i know that you mentioned uh one of the reasons for it and in in the press read says that uh basically pulling back because of lack of uh of entries well uh women can't afford to race the event because they're not getting the support and and uh basically putting them in this position to get even less support. Is only going to hurt the community that much more. We've seen in the past uh, champions who like, likely, if, if she would have continued, would have been multi-multi-multi-time ta- champion. Ashley like basically was one of the only women who was making a decent living uh, as a professional motocross racer. Uh, she basically just threw her hands up and uh, and said, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on to different things. And when the the at that time, she's the pinnacle of the sport, as far as women's motocross goes, says, uh, I'm going to go do other things that's a problem that's five years ago and uh and and, and se- seemingly things have only got worse since
1: yes exactly and we should be working especially the uh club promoters and organizers to groom the next ashley fire like, instead of just completely taking away the program altogether so it's unfortunate but i won't get too much into it i just wanted to, to mention that and mention that it's uh a little bit unfortunate and disappointing to see that we're regressing and i hope that everyone in the community can get together and kind of voice their opinions towards this so that we can we can help make a change
0: Absolutely, and hopefully, uh, some young women can uh, can watch the way that you conduct yourself on and off the motorcycle, and be inspired, and uh, and invoke uh, just a, a whole new level of uh, of adding value and prov- and providing value to these companies that they're looking to get support from, and uh, and may you be a uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, just an example of, of someone who can can work hard, enjoy her motorcycle, and get support because of it, and uh, and that's why we had you on the show today.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's a great compliment.
0: And thank you for making the time. Always appreciate when uh, when we can call people up and they'll uh, they'll take our phone call. You you I think you you picked up, picked us up on the first ring, so that's awesome, Kate. Uh, thank you again for your time tonight. Uh, thank you to Allison at uh, Husqvarna for putting this all together and and helping us uh, just. Create more awareness of this whole ambassador program, and uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll, let's do this again uh, sometime, Kate. And I'm looking forward to talking to Sam.
1: Yes, amazing. Thank you so much. I'll be back anytime. Considering all the great compliments you gave me, this was. <laughs> Uh, a great hour for my uh, ego. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, it was really great to uh, speak with you as well. And thank you so much to Husband Canada for all the support this year. I I truly couldn't have done it without them. Um, This summer also, my motorcycle was stolen, which really sucks. But they helped me out and they lent me one for the rest of my races. And they asked, uh, immediately I called them and they said, hey, what can we do? And Alison was there and she was super supportive. And I honestly feel like, part of the family. And um, anyone who buys Husqvarna, this sounds really cheesy, but it's true, joins that community. They're really supportive. They're always out there. Um, they're the one brand that is at every event and really super involved. So it's great to see that. And I, I'm honestly, truly blessed to be a part of it.
0: Absolutely. We're blessed to be able to uh to to watch you uh take advantage of it all and enjoy it and uh and, and looking forward to more in the future. Uh Kate McCarroll here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Shout out to Bruce Willis, no, not that Bruce Willis, a different Bruce Willis from Husqvarna, Canada. He's a, a dedicated listener and he uh is honestly mostly responsible for even getting my, myself connected with uh with Husqvarna, period. So shout out to Bruce, he's awesome, and uh and Kate, this has been an awesome interview. Uh I appreciate your time. Uh, don't hang up just yet, but for, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there.
1: Thank you.